0: Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, our good friend, Mr. Al Good morning, Al.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. I hope you are uh, all prepared for the the heat. I am uh, hunkered down in a corner of a basement because uh, a window rotted, well, actually, a couple windows rotted in my office. Oh, no. So they are being replaced, uh, even as I speak. So I had to find a place to hide uh, away from the it's not a uh, quiet process doing that so i had to find a place to hide so i appreciate those good folks coming out and sweating a bit to get those in for me so a uh, nice uh, uh a father and a son doing it so i appreciate them
0: hey al i've got, got a really sad thank- i've yeah. got a sad story i want to tell you that happened sure. um not last night the night before last i was coming back from the lake house and all of a sudden I saw 10 little eyes looking at me shining in the dark cuz it was about 9:30 or so. Hello? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought you you were clicked off there. I heard some clicking there. Anyway, so these 10 little eyes are staring at me, and I'm like, it was a family of baby raccoons. I assume they were raccoons. They look babies. They look small. And, of course, you're not supposed to veer because there was a swamp on one side and a car coming on the other side. So I thought, oh. And all of a sudden, I heard kathunk, and I knew that I wiped out at least one or maybe two of family members, and I felt so bad because, I mean, do they form family units, or are they going to miss their loved one because i just felt so terrible al
1: yeah you know i i guess you know they're mammals and yeah i grew up with uh, cows and things and dogs and cats and there's there's certainly a uh, you know we would call it love i guess but they certainly have a feeling for those but you know we do have a lot of raccoons. Uh, if you look at it from the other side, we just have a uh, a, a plethora of raccoons and they are uh, they drive me crazy in the yard here sometimes. I have to take down feeders cuz otherwise they uh, my bird feeders become raccoon feeders. So, yeah, I know how you feel. Well, and I'm just my I've wife been... says, well, Al almost cries when he hits a butterfly. <laughs> yeah,
0: <so."> right. <laughs> well, now, is it usual to have, they They look like they were younger, very much younger, to have several litters? Because I would assume aren't most born in the spring, That then why would they have this little or, I mean, the smaller raccoons?
1: Yeah, and who knows what happened there. Uh got a late start or something that uh, caused them to be delayed maybe. Uh, I don't know if, uh, oh, you know, they might have been interrupted, uh, couldn't find that special someone. <laughs> Usually they have two to five, and typically they have just one litter per year.
0: Okay. And
1: by midsummer, the kits begin this. I'd call it supervised exploring and foraging. And they'll uh, remain under mom's protection for a a few months yet. And they might even den with her for the first winter. Yeah, and they don't become dependent until, oh gosh, probably October of their first year or so. So they hang around with mom and then all of a sudden she she practices hard love and just says that's it and growls at them and chases <laughs> them away and says you need to get on with your life and it's not going to be with me so it's just one of those things that has to be done Aww. but and uh stuff happens you know it just uh there are so many raccoons we could uh in kids games as a kid we sit in the back seat and try to see license plates from other states and if you're driving around Heartland, Minnesota, you didn't see all that many license plates from other states. But you still had, uh, you know, if you got three states while you're driving around, you were the winner because there just weren't that many uh, visitors from far away.
0: It's Iowa and so Wisconsin, today,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, typically, yeah. We'd, we'd always see Iowa. We always call them the blue plates special because they (laughs) had the blue plates on there so you could tell the Iowa. Then we had to look at them because it'd say on there if they were from Kossuth County or Polk County or Winnebago County and so we always had to read that too. So it was a learning thing that taught us how to read and spell Winnebago and things. Now you could count uh, probably dead raccoons out each window and see who saw the most because it's that time of year where they're out roaming around, they're going to get hit. Uh, Another thing that I'm seeing a lot of them hit on the roads are wild turkeys. Hmm. And I have 15 in my yard, although it looked like 14 last night, but sometimes one of the little ones gets kind of pushed to the side. So they come in and they roost in the backyard. And I know some people have problems with that, but I have a neighbor, Jerry Victoria, has... Uh, 50 of them probably in his yard, and he just loves having them. Uh, These guys, too, I don't feed them or anything. They just find their own, and now there's a a lot of grasshoppers coming, uh, getting larger and larger, so the young turkeys will be eating those. I want to thank everybody who was at the uh, Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah. Oh, what a fine... uh, Oh, that was just so much fun. Uh, Was it warm you know it was in the 90s and we were outside but there was we had a roof so there was shade and it was it was very nice it was good to see a lot of folks that i hadn't seen for a while and just had a wonderful time there also thanks everybody on the pelican breeze uh, i just got a text from somebody said when are you on there again we cruise on Elberley lake on august 27th and september 10th if anybody's interested give 383-7273 and somebody asked when i'll be speaking around mankato uh farming of yesteryear in beautiful keister on september 9th keister is famed for i think was it uh ronald reagan made some comments about keister in kind of a different text uh and it uh got They got famous for a while, and in my mind, Keister has always been famous uh, for those folks you might have seen in the free press, uh, there was a beautiful article and a photo about Karen Friedendahl and her family doing a a male hospice patient 's butterfly release for uh, Merrill hmm. her husband Merrill Freiendahl who taught ornithology and wildlife behavior, I believe was the other subject, at MSU for many years and was a uh, was a wonderful, wonderful man. So it, it was really nice to see that. Things to look for now, boy, this time of year, look for cornfield and field ants. They swarm on late summer afternoons, and you can usually tell because they'll be Uh, swallows of all different kinds flying around the air catching them to eat the ones that we see very often the carpenter ants that everybody kind of freaks out when they see them in the house because they get into rotted wood or wet wood they typically swarm in the spring we are seeing thistle seeds blowing in the wind the Canada thistle And I'm seeing a number of this striking orange and black painted lady butterfly. It's one of the most common butterfly species in the world. And it's called the thistle butterfly. At least that's what I always called it as a kid. It migrates to warmer climates in the winter. And it's just beautiful to see them. Goldenrod is blooming. Uh, it's not a bad guy when it comes to causing hay fever. What it is is an insect zoo. The insect diversity that can be found on goldenrod is just incredible. Uh, Chokecherries. Oh, if you're in, if you like astringent fruit. That gives you that fish face. That's a thing to have. <laughs> it is good in jelly. Yes. Because why? Because we put a lot of sugar in it, so <laughs> it makes it makes it good. Sumac is turning red. A uh, wild cucumber is just blooming everywhere. August is its month. Uh, crabgrass, everybody's friend. It's an annual. It gets its name from its stems that spread outward and they resemble the legs of a crab. They're showing a dark reddish stain now. You can see it on roadsides. And talking to a lot of farmers here and there, they say there seems to be a lot of soybean aphids in the farmer's fields of dreams this year. So we'll see how that goes. You know, insect populations are cyclical, but we'll see if there's a lot of aphids. Will that mean there'll be a lot more multicolored Asian lady beetles this year? It'll be interesting to see. The aphids were accidentally introduced to the United States in the late 1900s. I think they got to Minnesota in the early 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. And its rapid spread was boosted by a non-native plant, buckthorn, which Mm. was brought here as a nursery plant. So soybean aphids lay their eggs in the fall on buckthorn. And several insects that we have prey upon soybean aphid populations. These include those multicolored Asian lady beetles that are another non-native, and then minute pirate bugs that uh, a lot of folks, at least around here, call noceums. And I realize there's a lot of insects called noceums, but these are those tiny little kind of black and silver guys that they bite uh, with a... Uh, ferocity of uh, the, something the size of a rhinoceros. And the multicolored Asian lady beetle is the non-native ladybug that swarms into our houses in the fall. Uh, Carol Johnson of Albert Lee sent me a photo of an albino eastern kingbird that she saw at Myrie Big Island State Park. and. I had to tell Carol, I have seen thousands of eastern kingbirds in my life and have never seen a single albino one, so that was really cool, has a red eye. Uh, Jerry Morstead of Albert Lee said he was outside uh, puttering around, because that's what guys do. Uh, Ladies, you know, uh, we either putter around or we mutter around, and sometimes we do both. And Jerry was outside doing something, and he said a hummingbird just hovered in front of his face. And he said it was the coolest thing ever. He just got the biggest kick out of that. Uh, Jack May, in a similar kind of event, a belted kingfisher landed on him and uh, jack had got a hold of me and said what kind of a bird and he kind of described it and i'm giving him all the wrong answers of course because it never dawned on me that a belted kingfisher might land on a person so i would think that'd be incredibly good luck and i expect jack may if he buys a lottery ticket will be a one of the huge winners in the near future just because of that kingfisher I talked to our friend T.J. and his wife of St. Peter, and we were just talking about all kinds of things with us, some other people there, and and I asked him, because I hear every so often about water moccasins in Minnesota, and who would know better, T.J., so Mm -hmm. I just, uh, you know, I I don't, I just blurt out questions, I guess, (laughs) and I said, has there ever been a water moccasin seen in Minnesota, and he said no. Um, I know that there there are many harmless water snakes that are frequently confused with the venomous moccasins. And water moccasins are also known as cotton mouths. And that's because the inside of the snake's mouth is bright white like cotton. And sadly, harmless snakes are often killed out of fear for the safety of family and pets. But mouths they range from southeastern Virginia through eastern North and South Carolina, south of Florida, uh, west of Texas, and then north along the Mississippi River. I think they're in southern Illinois and Indiana, but not Minnesota. And the main difference, I guess it depends on who's looking at a water snake and a cottonmouth. Um, maybe it lies in the shape of the head. The water mo- moccasin is large and... Angular, where the uh, water snake is flat and round as far as the head goes. And water moccasins are characterized by having very thick and heavy bodies with short, thick tails. And in contrast, water snakes are characterized by long, slender bodies. And unlike the water moccasin, their bodies are more slender for their length and their tails are longer. But they are aggressive. And I think T.J., I hope I got this right, he called uh, the northern water snakes Band-Aid snakes because they will bite, they have sharp teeth, and they can be found through much of eastern and central North America. And in Minnesota, it's most often found in vegetation along or swimming in water near the St. Croix, Mississippi, and Minnesota rivers. Uh, Chad Young of Matawan, saw some yellow-headed blackbirds on freeborn lake and a a listener asks al you mentioned once that there are no snakes in al in alaska why is that um they have no ambition they just uh, i don't know they could be there there have been occasional reports of garter snakes in the panhandle there so uh, you know they are i don't know that there's a Sustaining population, probably not. But they do get up there on occasion, and uh, it's just one of those things that they don't have. It. Uh, you have box elder bugs on your house yet, Karen?
0: You know they usually love the south side of at the lake house. They love it because it's so warm. I think they're attracted to heat. So yes.
1: Yeah, and I got uh, two. Uh, Oh, I got a text message, a phone call, and an email, all uh, not from the same person, all uh, pretty much asking the same question. How can I discourage box elder bugs from congregating on my house? Uh, it's a native insect.
0: Well, they don't harm anything. Out. Out. Do they harm anything? Do, I mean, do they no. poop on your house, or what do they do that's bad? Just annoy you, or what? Uh, I,
1: I suppose everything gets has to go, so they probably (laughs) do, but I don't see any kind of mess of any kind when they're there. You know, the biggest mess is when they die, and when we first get some of those first killer frosts, and they're still outside, so you'll have a pile of them there, but other than that, it's a native insect, and it, as their name would uh, hint, they feed on box elder, but also on maple and ash trees. And they love that warm sun on buildings Mm -hmm. with a southern and western exposure. And people will ask, they say, I don't have any box elder trees. How do they get here? They can fly easily several blocks. And I used to tell everyone they could travel the length of a football field. Now some scientists he found some that traveled as far as two miles. So you don't have to be very close to a box elder or even a maple or an ash tree. And in Minnesota, man, if there's trees anywhere, you're going to be pretty close to a box elder, maple, or ash tree, at least one of those. A simple solution to get rid of them, you know, you can't put up a no box elder sign, bug sign. Uh... It's just add Dawn liquid dishwashing soap to a spray bottle full of water and shake it gently to make sure it's combined and then spray directly on the bugs and it will kill them. And that's what uh, I was out at, uh, it's called Higby Gardens. It's Schaff Gardens in Albert uh, Lee on the edge of Highway 13. And we had, there were so many Japanese beetles in there. And I used to be a member of a garden club that we kind of took care of that place. And who's ever doing it now is just doing a wonderful job. But I had a little, uh, like a Cool Whip bowl, mm-hmm. and I put water in there and a little Dawn dish dishwashing soap in there and I just shook the branches of or the leaves of some of the plants out there so they fell into that water (laughs) and dispatched a bunch of them that way so I felt like I was oh I just felt like I'd really made a difference in the world by getting rid of a few of those.
0: Wouldn't it have better if you would have got like one of those little kiddie pools and filled that with water and a little soap and then you could have shook the branch you would have got a lot more.
1: Yeah, but I'd had to carry that pool around. See, that, <laughs> That's true. I could carry that little Cool Whip thing. That was pretty easy. And, uh, and you know, people would have been stopping if I'd been dragging that <laughs> pool around saying, all right. And, and someone would probably have been wearing a uniform with a badge on it and say, what are you up to now? <sighs> I have not heard anybody complain or say the mosquitoes are the worst I can remember this year. I know that's not, I talked to somebody from, I shouldn't say that. I talked to somebody from Cable, Wisconsin, who said, oh my gosh, they're just terrible. But I should uh, limit it to around here. I haven't heard anybody say the mosquitoes are the worst I can remember. That used to be heard every year where somebody, I can't remember the mosquitoes being so bad. We have 51 species, I believe, in the state. We have spring species. They produce one generation of mosquitoes a year, and the adults can live three or four months. And they lay the eggs in the summer, and those eggs need to freeze before they can hatch. Summer species can have multiple generations per year, each usually living only a few weeks. I haven't even thought about putting an electric fan on the deck to keep the weak flying skeeters at bay. That really works well. It's only fair, I think, that mosquitoes bite me because I have eaten enough of them while bicycling, <laughs> running, or seated behind the wheel of a cabless tractor in my life that they uh, I am probably on their most wanted list. And I, somebody said are mosquitoes good to eat? And I said I I don't. They really don't <laughs> have a lot of taste, right. and they're not very filling. So I would eat them maybe with a nice salad or some soup and maybe they'd be better. But they just have been uh, not completely non-existent, but I haven't uh, encountered them a lot. I walk late at night a lot because get away from the heat.
0: I was wondering if it was because of the drought, because actually for the last few years I have not noticed mosquitoes being too bad, and I don't know if it's just where I happen to be at, but even by the lake, where there's a lot of water and things, I have really not noticed them, and I'm of course outside a lot gardening in the evening, so I'm not sure maybe it was the drought or what.
1: The drought would certainly eliminate a number of those species that need little uh, standing water for their uh, young to grow up, so... We used to all have those rain barrels mm-hmm. that the water would run off the roof, and we'd use it to put on gardens. Back in those days, a lot of the roofs were uh, wooden, so it was probably uh, safer maybe than I don't know what all's in the roofs today. But we'd put, use that to water the garden, and there was always... Uh, baby mosquitoes in there you'd see them and so every time you dip something on the garden you were eliminating some mosquitoes in the process as well so it was it was uh, a great way to garden oh I just got a something said what is a group of butterflies called I just saw a group hmm. you know it's one of the greatest words I think it's called a kaleidoscope
0: oh wow that's a great name
1: isn't it you yeah. also hear flutter cuz that just yeah. but, they'd have to be called a flutter oh, and then some people say it's a rabble of butterflies which huh. i'm going to cross that one off the list i don't think they're a rabble it's just <laughs> and you know are they sweet and everything i've watched monarch males fight and knock each other around so they're they're certainly uh, battlers too at the hummingbird hurrah in henderson there were uh, quite a few monarch butterflies, but I saw a lot of viceroys. That was the most viceroy butterflies I'd seen in a long time, which are monarch butterfly mimics.
0: Yeah. And it and was just, uh, talk about the difference again, because whenever I see a butterfly and it's orange with black, I always assume it's a monarch. But how? what is the big difference again? How do you tell?
1: Yeah, and a lot of things will say, well, they're smaller. Well, you tell uh, the small one when you see them <laughs> flying around, because <laughs> Monarchs come in various sizes, yeah. too. Uh, the uh, vice rise will have a, a line on the lower wing, the back wing, and it's a line that kind of oh, covers the edge like a half moon sort of, and it's just a, a simple pencil line on there. And when they uh, perch on a flower or something and they open up their wings, you can see it from above. And it's pretty easy to
0: see. So, Al, we have four texts that I want to get to. I see we're running out of time. Is that okay from our listeners? Okay. This is from, this is from Diana in Austin. She says, Hi Al from Diana in Austin. Long time no see. I'm wondering if you clean up under your bird feeders like I've heard you should. I do not. I've heard you talk about this. If you've talked about it, I've missed it.
1: Yeah, and Diana, great to hear from you. It's been a long time. We need to see one another. It is, I have turkeys in my yard, Diana, so I don't have to clean up after under any bird feeder they come in there and they scratch and they eat so they spread it around I think otherwise it's probably a good idea just to take a rake and just uh, rake stuff around a little bit because if you get deep there it just gets wet and soggy and smelly probably and also uh sunflower shells and sunflower seeds are allelopathic, so if there's a concern for a lawn or some plants under there, it could cause some problems if you get a pile of it there. But uh, otherwise, you know, of all the things we have to worry about, that's a great question, but uh, you can probably move that down your list quite a ways. And I might send some turkeys over for you, Diana, because <laughs> they do a great job at that.
0: Now, here's another one. I don't know who it's from or where it's from, but it says, Hey, Al, not sure what to do with my second crop of alfalfa. The monarchs and hummingbirds are really enjoying the flowers. Can I leave it over winter?
1: That's uh, that's really neat. I was in Arizona here not too, I'm sorry, Colorado here not too long ago. And there's a, a friend of mine I stopped. He's a former banker from Iowa, and he has an alfalfa farm in Colorado and he uh, would—he doesn't irrigate, and he would like to get two cuttings, but he has got it down to one cutting now, because he has so much wildlife that's kind of dependent on his farm there, and it's not only, it's hoofed animals as well as butterflies, so he uh, just takes one, and then he just lets it Let's it grow for the rest of the year and then the next year he says I have one great cutting and he says boy you know that's all I need and I'd rather see the animals than than a hay bale. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I think you sure could.
0: Okay here's another one from our friend Jennifer. Hello ma'am. It seems like the bird guy knows a lot about lots of other animals besides birds and I don't know who else to ask about my pups. Google was not helpful. My dogs always eat on the same side. Like if I'm trying to give them a treat, my boy dog will jump over the girl to get to her left side. The same thing goes if I'm putting their dish down. Any thoughts? Are they just weirdos? Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've noticed that, too. You know, I was reading about cockatiels uh, somewhere, and it said most cockatiels are left-footed. Oh. So they will hold their foot and their left foot. Or hold their food in their left foot, I think it's just maybe habit you know when Gail and I were first married, we kind of chose the side of beds we'd <laughs> sleep on yes, and that's the way it is now you, you we can't still switch. sleep on those same yeah. sides, yeah, and I think that's the way i we had barn cats, and they were kind of that way. They had sort of an order where they'd eat on a certain side and and maybe sometimes they got their ears. Clip back by a cat saying, get over that other side. So that might be not only their preference, but it makes the other dog or cat happy. So that's a great question, Jennifer. I wish I had a better answer, but I think it probably just habit or for some reason or another, it makes them more comfortable and they like being there.
0: Well, I did a study when I was in college. Uh, I went two years to UW-River Falls. And I did an honors project on the social order of cows because there was a lot of studies done on the social order of bees and how they react and everything. And I would observe sitting on the bunk and watch the cows. And for some reason, this was a social pecking order thing. Certain cows had to be in certain places. Certain ones had to be the lead cow and they would... Uh, fight, yep. or they would have s- kind of um, signs like they'd turn their head a certain way that would indicate to the other cow, like, "Hey, you get back there." So maybe it's innate in in animals that there's some reason, like like the cows, it's some sort of a social construct. They, construct. They yeah.
1: have a a pecking order just like birds, and yeah. we used to bell one cow. It was called the bell cow, and that was she was the the cow in charge. Ah because we could always tell, because she'd be the lead cow, so you'd hear that ding, 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 and uh, when they were coming, we knew they were coming because of her bell.
0: Okay, here's one more before you go. Okay. Al knows this one. This is from our friend John. How does garlic stay cool in hot weather? I don't know. It takes its cloves off, John and New
1: Orleans. (laughs) John, you thought I'd know that. Boy, you have way too much faith in me. I'll tell you, that's a good one. John, great to to hear from you all. Thanks for sitting on the front porch with us. I I attended the funeral of LaVonne Austin at West Freeborn Lutheran Church. She was 95, and as we say, she had a good run. Levon had welcoming ways, she was of Irish and Danish descent, but she loved being a member of the Sons of Norway and embroidering Norwegian Hardanger. And an example of her hardanger, finished in 1982, was draped over a casket. So she'd planned it for her casket. She was a planner. Her sons wore shirts she'd made. The hymn in the garden caused me to tear up, and I'll fly away made me smile. I visited for as long as I dared. We had meatballs, so (laughs) we sat around with friends, and we just... I had to leave because I was worrying they might hand me a broom and a sign outside the church showing a leaning gravestone read, do your relatives look a little crooked? With a donation to the cemetery fund, we will straighten them up. (laughs) I become keenly aware of the currency of time after attending a funeral and in a futile attempt to slow the clock, I drove away from the church so slowly insects crashed into the back window of my car hey thanks everybody for listening remember heartland while we're well driving past hey, do something wild today get out there and look at a bird karen thank you it's always a treat talking with you
0: well same same to you we'll chat with you next week thanks al stay cool